You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Amen. Please be seated. Let's turn to Second uh, Corinthians. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And we're going to look at verses 16 to 18 of chapter 4. Up to this point, Paul has been defending his ministry. He's talked about the troubles he's faced. In this particular chapter, he's talked about how the gospel light shines in the midst of the darkness um, and how uh, he continues to minister by God's grace and to see God's power at work even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And then he says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, we'll look at these, the words come up on the screen, um, I hope. Yep, there they are. Um, And I want to ask you a question. It's obviously a question you just, you can answer to yourself, but whether you're encouraged or discouraged in your life, in the church, where you're at, I suspect every one of us here will have different answers, but just Think on it for a moment about honestly where you are at. And also to think of it in uh, this light, that all of us want to live a long time, but nobody wants to get old. Isn't that strange? You know, there are some of you who, if I ask your age, you won't tell it. Because apparently when you're a woman and you go past 21, then it's embarrassing to say your age. But I think, I, I, I personally don't understand this. If you were 80 years old, how cool is that? I mean, that's way cooler than being 18 years old. It really is, you know, we've got this cult of youth, but you've lived for 80 years. There was this wonderful uh, program we saw, at least I saw last night, uh, Jeremy Paxman on World War I, and they interviewed this 105-year-old lady who remembered as a seven-year-old child being shelled in Darlington, County Durham, I think, uh, in being shelled by the German cruisers in the First World War. And just to look at her, I just thought, she's 105. Imagine that. Think about what the year will be when you're 105. You know, it's just, it's just to, to, to be able to live that long. And yet, we, many of us, don't want to become old. Um, if you've got your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes, and uh, I just want to read some verses from chapter 12, the last part of Ecclesiastes. It's on page 677. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, it says this, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, 
when the grinders cease because they are few. By the way, all this is describing a physical condition. The keepers of the house, your arms. The strong men stoop, your legs. When the grinders cease, obviously your teeth, because they are few. Uh, And those looking through the windows grow dim, your eyes. When the doors to the street are closed, your mouth, and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. In other words, you're woken up in the middle of the night just by birdsong, but you can't hear it properly. You're acutely sensitive, to, but at the same time, your hearing's not that great. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the almond tree blossoms, that's the idea of the hair, and the grasshopper drags himself along, that's the idea of ungainly walk, and desire no, long, no longer is stirred, that's speaking of sexual desire. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. The who sang, hope I die before I get old. People don't like the idea of getting old. And some of you, it's just when you, when you grasp it, when you realize it, you know, you're full of life and vigor and then you reach a point in life where you say, my goodness, whew, that took me so long to do something I used to do in five minutes. And it can be really frustrating for people. Well, let me give you some good news and bad news. It doesn't sound good news, I realized initially. Here's the first point from what we're looking at. We are wasting away outwardly, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. He says that our outer man, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. That's the deal. For every single person here, you are wasting away outwardly. There is no way around that. There is no escaping from that. You can get as much Botox as you want. It's still not going to take away from the fact that you're wasting away outwardly. Now here, what Paul means, it's not just the body, but it's also the mind. It's everything that we have, like riches, honor, society, and friendships. It's all the stuff that you have that make you human and you're told it's fading, it's fading, it's fading. The Rolling Stones could sing about not fading away, but they are, and they always were. Now, to those who are not Christians, this is a very, very strange experience at one level, because what is being taught here is that you are not your stuff, and you are not just your body. Christopher Hitchens wrote just before he died, I don't have a body, I am a body. Well, when he died, that's it then. There's nothing. Everything he said, did, thought, wrote. Just a body. The philosophy of naturalism says that the only things that there are, are material things. But the Bible tells us something that we already know within ourselves. That's a lie. That is not the truth. We are more than just our bodies. And our, who we are is more even than just our consciousness. And that is one incredible and vital difference in how we as Christians look at things. Now what that means is this. It means that we can be refreshed even in the midst of extraordinary tiredness. You are extraordinarily tired. You're worn down. What can you do? 
You can take pills. You can take drugs. You can get an adrenaline rush. And it'll give you a bit more energy. But Paul says here something quite wonderful. He says we can be refreshed even in the midst of extraordinary tiredness. We are being renewed day by day. John 4.31 says this. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Jesus needed to be physically refreshed. But he's saying, actually, what I really need is to be able to do the will of my father. We, you can talk about different kinds of physical refreshment and renewal and so on. You know, I um, uh, went for a haircut this week down at Blue, big advert, and uh, I love it. I really love it because it's really cheap for me, as you can understand, because uh, uh, they believe in justice. And uh, there's, but I love it. I get a coffee, really nice coffee. And I get uh, a head massage and a shampoo, which I always wonder, why do they shampoo your hair after they've cut it? But never mind. Uh, that's what they do. And you get a wee chin wag and so on. And you actually come out and you feel quite refreshed. And someone say, well, I get renewed. I, you know, I go get my hair cut or I go and have a shower. I feel renewed. Or I eat this or I drink this and I feel renewed. I was tired and weary. I got a really good night's sleep and I felt renewed. Well, Paul here is saying there is a spiritual and inward renewal which gives us energy and vitality. And it's only the believer that can know what that is. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his last days, he really faded. He, he was one of the best preachers. For those of you who don't know him, he's one of the best preachers, probably the best preacher in the past hundred years in this country. And he lost his power of speech. And he lost much of his power of movement. And he was lying on his bed and his daughter Elizabeth records that she sat beside him and she pointed him to these words from 2 Corinthians 4. And she asked him, is that your experience now? And all he could do was nod his head with great vigor. That he'd lost his voice. He'd lost the great thing that he had, that he was communicating with people, he was, he was dying, he was physically fading away. But within himself, he knew that there was renewal. You see, Christians live in two dimension, dimensions at the same time. We have begun eternal life now. It's not just that it's promised to us, after we die, but we've begun it now. So there are these two things going on. Outwardly, our outward man is fading away, but inwardly, we are being renewed. And just as our outward man needs spiritual food, needs food rather, our inner man also needs food. The second thing he says is this. Our troubles are temporary and light. Our glory is eternal and heavy. Now the first thing is, you have to recognize that our troubles are real. He's not dismissing our troubles. A righteous man may have many troubles, says Psalm 34, 19. But the Lord delivers him from them all. But he's contrasting that with the eternal glory. 
Romans 8 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You want to know what the glory is like? Think about your trouble just now. You are heavily burdened. You know illness. You know sorrow. You know immense frustration and agony and doubts and fears and discouragement and depression. And the Bible doesn't say, no, they don't count or they're not real or you shouldn't feel that. The Bible says, just think how much pain you are in just now and then think how great the glory is going to be. It's going to be so great that even the heaviness that you feel just now will just be light. It will just be like a feather. In chapter 11, Paul knew what he was talking about. In chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, uh, he says this, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I am. He said, sorry, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? And Paul says, these are light and trivial. They're light and trivial compared with the glory. I like the old saying, I don't know who it's from, I'm sure it was a Puritan, it sounds like a Puritan, sanctification is glory begun and glory is sanctification complete. Sanctification is being made holy, becoming like God, becoming like Jesus. That starts for believers in this life, it's glory begun, but glory is being made holy, complete. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you see what's being brought together, and I, I really, really wish I had so much more time to do this, is just this wonderful thing that our hope and our glory is Jesus Christ. And I love what he uses here. He uses two images of... Um, The idea of weight and lightness. Now, you and I understand about weight and lightness. We understand that, or heaviness. I mean, think just now, the McKeever family up in Roskeen, how dreadful for them. They're not bouncing into church full of lightness at the death of their their son or their brother, their grandson. There is a heaviness, a heaviness. And sometimes we feel that in so many different ways. But what Paul does here is he reverses that. And he uses heaviness in a different way. He talks about the weight of glory. In fact, he he uses an expression which really can't be translated. It says, hyperbole upon hyperbole. He's saying it's exaggeration upon exaggeration. It's glory upon glory. What he's saying in 19 
60s hippie speak is, it's really heavy, man. It's really heavy. This is so, so heavy. But not heavy in the sense of affliction. Heavy in the sense of stunning and of wonderful. Now I want you to note this thing. Paul is not saying here that the glory is a compensation for the affliction. He's not saying, well, you've had a really hard time in life and you're going to get this glory to make up for it. Notice exactly what he's saying. He's saying our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. He's saying the affliction is the means to our glory. He's saying the glory is the product of the affliction. He's saying our afflictions work towards heaven. Now I've got to put a caveat in here as well. This is not traditional Catholic theology which would uh, teach that afflictions earn us heaven. You know, the more you suffer, the more you, you, you earn your way to heaven. It's saying that Jesus suffered, but that we share in his sufferings, and that it's through the suffering of Jesus that we are guaranteed heaven, but that the path that we go to heaven is one of affliction. That's why when Paul, someone could say to Paul, Paul, what a heavy burden you bear. He says, no, no, this is not heavy. Being in jail is not heavy. Being lashed five times for 39 strokes each time is not heavy. Being almost drowned is not heavy. Carrying the burden that I feel for the churches is not heavy compared with the glory of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus can say, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not saying, come to me and you'll never experience any trouble. He is saying, when you are with me and I am with you, when my glory sustains you and my glory is your goal and my glory is your aim, then in comparison, it is so, so, so light. That's why we need always to pray, Lord, show us your glory. You might have come here this morning and your greatest need is a particular problem that you have that needs to be dealt with. And not in any sense undermining that problem. But I just simply want to tell you that your greatest need is to see Jesus. Because if you see Jesus, that problem will be set in its proper perspective. And you and your life and your heart and your world is so much enlarged. And then thirdly, he says, we do not consider what is seen and temporary, but rather what is unseen and eternal. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary, but what is, uh, sorry, sorry, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It often appears as though we are losing the spiritual battle if we view things from the wrong perspective. The decay is visible. The renewal is not. But Paul says we can see the invisible. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we see, says Hebrews 11.1. Christ has already gained the victory. 
There is no doubt about what Jesus has done. There is no doubt about Christ being glorified. And there is no doubt about his people sharing in that glory. The doubt comes when we look at the waves and we don't see the glory. The doubt comes when we see the decay and we are not aware of the inward renewal. And here, if you do see that, it's very straightforward. For every discouragement, Christ has a greater encouragement. The glories of Christ compensate many times over for what we are going through. So if you want to be encouraged, don't look at your immediate circumstances and say, well, I'm really encouraged by my family, or I'm really encouraged by the church, or I'm really encouraged by this. And don't equally look and say, well, I'm discouraged by my family. I'm, why, don't, why don't my children believe? I, I'm discouraged because I'm ill. I'm dying. I'm discouraged because the church is a mess. I'm discouraged because this world, when you look at the news, it's just, oh, it does my head in. I'm discouraged. Be encouraged by fixing your eyes on Christ. That's how you survive. That's, that's actually much more than how you survive. That's how you thrive. It's how you grow. It's how you develop. Now, there's a very, very straightforward application of all of this. And I do want to address myself to those of you who are not yet Christians. I want to ask you if you really, really believe your faith. And you say, well, I don't have faith. You Christians have got faith. No, no, you've got faith. Do you really, really believe that you are just a collection of chemicals? That your body is what it is? Do you believe what Christopher Hitchens said? That I don't have a body, I am a body. You really, really believe that? What a hopeless, hopeless hopeless position with very, very little evidence for it. Why do you think you are conscious? Why do you think you can think of these things? Why do you have some awareness of of something beyond? Is it not because there is something that is real? Look at this. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save through him. Save the world through him. To perish is to have eternal burdens. Not light, not short, not the troubles that you have in this world. We watched um, extraordinary film, 12 Years a Slave, which for me is the only film I've seen at all that gives any kind of realistic portrayal of what it involves. Now, it is heavy. You are not going to come out of that film and go, wow, that was fun. It's not. It's heavy, 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 heavy. And you think, how can human beings, A, be so cruel, and how can human beings, B, put up with such cruelty? And I think the answer to the second question for many was found when the slaves in the cotton fields were singing about liberation and singing about freedom. And it wasn't that they were using the Bible's stories to speak about political freedom. 
It was that they understood human suffering so well that when the Bible speaks of eternal freedom and eternal life, they knew that that was exactly what they needed and what they wanted and what they longed for. And in many instances, what they had. Why would you not want eternal life? I don't understand. Well, I kind of understand. Because you're scared. Because you don't want it to be true. Because maybe your own brainwashing in the culture and so on. But today, Jesus Christ called you into this church. And he calls you to himself. And he says, I died for you to give you eternal life. And you have to respond to that. You can respond saying, no, I don't want it, which doesn't make sense. Or you can say, Lord, give me your eternal life. I believe. What about those of us who are Christians? Well, I want to quote this poem from Robert Browning. I won't quote the whole poem, just two verses from it, the first and the last. This poem was uh, Rabbi Ben Ezra. It's a wonderful poem. Grow old along with me, the best is yet to be. The last of life for which the first was made. Our times are in his hand. Who said the whole I planned? Youth shows but half. Trust God, see all, nor be afraid. And then this is the last verse addressed to God. So take and use thy work, amend what flaws may lurk. What strain o'er the stuff, what warpings past the aim. My times be in thy hand, perfect the cup as planned. Let age approve of youth and death complete the same. That's a biblical understanding of life and death. The best is yet to be. In our culture, we say, let's euthanize old people because their best is gone. In a Christian culture, a biblical culture, we say the best is yet to be. Though outwardly they are fading away, yet inwardly they are being renewed day by day day. Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, you can be a believer and you can be full of depression and doubt and fear. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're sinning. It doesn't mean that you haven't grasped. It means that you're human. It means that you're normal. It means that you go go through to some extent what Christ went through. (coughs) But please don't stop there. Look beyond and realize That what you feel just now, what you fear just now, is light and momentary. That it's, that you are wasting away, but inwardly you are being renewed. Don't fix your eyes on what is seen. It's all going to go. It's all going to fade. But this is the land of shadows. The reality is within, and the reality is beyond. And what you have from Christ is eternal. It can never be taken away from you. 
I love uh, listening to Matt Chandler. And I listened to something he said this morning. And I just thought it was just, Matt expresses things great. He was talking about Lazarus. And he said, he said, can you imagine Lazarus being raised from the dead? Imagine after that, people threatening Lazarus with death. You're going to die. What's Lazarus going to say? Been there, done that. Not afraid. No worries. And I just thought, I just thought it was a lovely picture. I thought it was a lovely image. We're not going through Lazarus's experience, but we are going through it. We will go through it. Don't fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. See, there's nothing that you are going through, nothing that you have been through, and nothing that you will go through, which even begins to compare with the glory that is yours in Christ. I want to finish by reading a poem We were going to sing it, but we didn't quite manage to get there. Um, We will find a way to sing it. Uh, A poem called I Am a Debtor by a man who struggled with depression, doubt, and fear all his days and was greatly used by God in this church. And I'm talking about Robert Murray McShane. And it's a bit archaic English, but you will get what what is said. It's well known. Some of you will know some of it, though maybe not all of it. Uh, some of it was turned into a hymn, but not all of it. And I do want to just read this, and please think about these words um, uh, as I read them. <coughs> when this passing world is done, when has sunk yon glaring sun, when we stand with Christ in glory, looking o'er life's finished story, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I hear the wicked call on the rocks and hills to fall, when I see them start and shrink on the fiery deluge brink, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, dressed in beauty, not my own, when I see thee as thou art, love thee with unsinning heart, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When the praise of heaven I hear, loud as thunder to the ear, loud as many waters noise, sweet as harp's melodious voice, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Even on earth, as through a glass, darkly let thy glory pass. Make forgiveness feel so sweet, make thy spirit's help so meet. Even on earth, Lord, make me know something of how much I owe. Chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden in the Savior's side by the Spirit sanctified, teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love how much I owe. Oft I walk beneath the cloud, dark as midnight's gloomy shroud, but when fear is at the height, Jesus comes and all is light. Blessed Jesus, bid me show doubting saints how much I owe. When in flowery paths I tread, off by sin I'm captive led. Oft I fall, but still arise. The spirit comes, the tempter flies. Blessed spirit, bid me show, weary sinners, all I owe. Oft the nights of sorrow reign, weeping, sickness, sighing, pain. But a night thine anger burns. Morning comes and joy returns. God of comforts, bid me show to thy poor, how much I owe. 
Lord, thank you. So many of us can identify with McShane's words that oft the night of sorrow has reigned, weeping, sickness, sighing, pain. But we bless you that joy comes in the morning. And we bless you that as we go through this life, we experience great joy and great beauty, but great pain also and great sorrow. And we thank you that when this life is ended, it is not the end. It is only the beginning for your people. And we bless you that even the most intense and heavy burden will be as light as a feather in contrast with the glory that we will enjoy forever. Lord, I come to you with a particular burden. And it's the burden that is almost beyond bearing. That anyone here would go away and would die without you. Lord, it hurts so much to think of to think of that young man and the pain his parents feel. But Lord, it hurts more. It hurts more to think that anyone who has heard your word would reject it and turn away from you. Lord, you wept over the city of Jerusalem. Help us to weep over this city. Lord, it's not enough that one and two come to know you. We want hundreds and thousands. Lord, not one of our friends, not one of our family, not one of our neighbors. Lord, we plead with you that you would work in each and every one. We bless you that you call upon those who are burdened and heavy to come to you. Grant that we would. And Lord, if any of us here, as of yet, haven't done so or don't know how to do so, Lord, don't let us rest until we do. Don't let us rest in our own sin. Don't let us rest until we find our rest in you. And Lord, again, I I just pray for your people who feel very burdened and heavy. Lord, be with them. Be with us. Help. Lift. Sustain. And help us to help one another. And may we have our eyes continually fixed on you to see your glory. Lord, be our vision. In your name, amen. Let's finish by um, singing uh, that hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of Solace 
the Centre for Public Christianity at solace-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.